0: Hello and welcome to the Anita Po Show and the Bitcoin for Fairness series, where we talk about the role Bitcoin plays in enabling economic empowerment for individuals and communities by providing fair and open access to a global financial network. This episode is a recording of the conversation I had on the Crypto Pulse podcast with Kevin and Ben from the UK. It was recorded in late June 2022. We're talking about my journey into Bitcoin, about writing my book, my work in Africa with Bitcoin for Fairness, European regulation on crypto and my drive to educate. This is an audio-only episode and you can listen to it in your favorite podcast app. If you want to try something new, listen to it in a lightning-enabled podcast app like Breeze or the Fountain app and send some Satoshis to me. Thanks for supporting my work go out to the Human Rights Foundation, which is uniting the world to stand against tyranny, Paxful, the peer-to-peer Bitcoin exchange, Ledin.io, financial services for hodlers of digital assets and OKCoin, the globally licensed cryptocurrency exchange. If you want to learn more about Bitcoin, go and buy my book it's one of the best, if not the best book to understand not only the question of why the world needs Bitcoin, but also how you can use it to send, receive and safely store your Bitcoin. You can find it at learnbitcoin.link. And now on
1: to the show. First question I want to I want to ask you is about um, how you started your journey in crypto. So how did you first find out about it, and what's your journey in the space been like since you've discovered the technology?
0: Yeah, so PoO twenty seventeen to until now, you know uh, there has been a lot of things happening in the space. I got into the space, um, because I'm always was interested, um, in, I always was interested in technology, like the internet. When it came along, I decided, okay, I'm changing my, my job. I change everything. I now want to be a web designer. I want to do something with the internet. This is going to be big. And in 2016, I decided, so oh, I've done enough like in, in, in the e-commerce space and um, um, I, I want to do something new, like reinvent myself. And I was searching for something that made sense, you know, not only buying stuff on the Internet or, or, or doing um, um, programming websites uh, to buy stuff. And then I, I found Bitcoin again, because in 2011 already I, I saw it somewhere, but I thought I was misled. I thought it's something like a new PayPal and I thought nobody needs another PayPal Um, we we, we (laughs) We already have one (laughs) exactly we solved the problem of spending money on the internet Um, and um, in 2017 I was listening to a Talk about Bitcoin and open blockchains and how they can like rev- revolutionize um, the the world and also the societal and humanitarian impact they could have, and and this was basically my you know, when it clicked uh, and I thought, oh, wow, um, that's interesting. So basically my interest in, in the well-being of people and communities that came from also my education as an urban planner, which was my first education, actually, and um, the, the connection to to the Internet and being able to send money frictionless over the Internet, uh, what that would um, what which possibilities um, we will have in the future from that that was fascinating to me and so I started educating myself I mean I knew nobody else basically and I did some open free educational courses on the University of Nicosia and things like that and decided I want to work in this space. I want to be self-employed again, and this is a possibility for me um, to take the knowledge and my my like experiences I I had so far from my my life and my work experiences um, to take it further and to start educating other people about the possibilities of Bitcoin. So that's basically how I got in.
2: It's it's an amazing story, and Anita, you do you do so much in the Bitcoin space. I, I know that you're a, um, a member of the board of Bitcoin in Austria, um, and you've recently written a book uh, So the author of the book "Learn Bitcoin," which is excellent, by the way. We've we've sort of read it this side. I, want, I wanted to kind of ask you what is it that what is it that inspired you to sort of take the knowledge that you have about Bitcoin and to share that with the world? I mean, the, obviously, there's so much education that needs to happen around Bitcoin and crypto and blockchain. But what is it for you that, that sort of drives you to want to do that?
0: Basically, I, up until that moment, I never found a book that brought together the basic knowledge of Bitcoin. So why do we need it? What is it in a, in a way that uh, everyone can understand? And secondly, in the second part of the book, I speak about like um, rec- wallet recommendations, self-custody, how important self-custody is and what the difference is in between your Bitcoin on an exchange and having your own uh, private keys and all these kinds of things. And there was no such thing uh, on the market I didn't know of. And um, also, it was for me a sort of... a uh, a process to write down everything i've learned and everything i know about bitcoin and i also learned a lot again in writing it you Mm -hmm. know because um, if you want to educate or or share your knowledge on something or write a book about something uh, you need to know your stuff and so it was it it was on the (laughs) one hand a learning effect for me too and um providing learning materials or reading materials Um, For people who are new and want some basic understanding and also security or safety tips and things like that, so that they don't get scammed or lose their keys uh and all these kinds of things
2: yeah i mean i think it was a, a roman philosopher that said the best way to learn is to teach right <laughs> and uh, there's, there's no better no better way to teach than writing a book um so I, I also just touching on the point of education i know you also do some amazing work through your non-profit um bitcoin for fairness um and you educate people in emerging countries about bitcoin to help with uh financial sovereignty the uh, I mean, you've done just so much in the space. I'd love to talk a little bit more about that. Like, what 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 was the inspiration for for setting up the nonprofit?
0: Yeah, so basically, all started with my general interest in Bitcoin because um, the the fact that it can uh, empower people globally, but especially in emerging countries, in countries where you have. Um, Human rights violations. You have dictatorships, uh, authoritarian uh, regimes. Mm. I mean, fifty-four percent people of the global uh, population live in countries like that, and for them, Bitcoin is much more important than for us, actually, mm. because we here we have a working banking system. We have live in a fairly um, a healthy democracy. Um, our lives are relatively secure. But the Mm. people there, they really um, have quite some different uh, living situations. Like um, I was two times, I visited Zimbabwe and the people there, they really need to cover their basic daily needs every day again and again. And the government is stealing from them. And like with a money like Bitcoin, where you hold your own keys, which is like digital cash um, that you are the only person uh, that can send it or, or somewhere or do something with it. And so basically your government can't steal from you. And right. so... The importance for me uh, of Bitcoin is mainly in these emerging countries. And like I started in 2017 with Bitcoin, in 2018 I started my podcast. And I was one of the first Bitcoin podcasters who invited people from, from African countries to speak about uh, Bitcoin adoption in their countries and the use cases um, for Bitcoin in their countries. And so I always was interested in spreading the word about how Bitcoin is or can be a tool uh, for for human rights, basically. Um, And from that on, I, I also realized, okay, but if I'm speaking about Bitcoin as a human rights tool, Most people are not that interested in that topic, sadly. Um, Mm. They rather listen to uh, what the next uh, coin is and where they can make their next profit and things like that. And discuss the price of Bitcoin and if it's digital gold or not. Uh, But this is something that has nothing to do with the life realities of these people. And I thought, okay... um, I, I think I need to change my model of of, of doing my work um, and I also wanted to broaden this this platform you know that's not only me um, who is doing podcasts and going to Zimbabwe but I wanted to leave something in the way that I share my knowledge with the people who want to know about it and um, sow some seeds like you know like like um, spreading knowledge but then um, like being a catalyst, connecting uh, people from Africa uh, who are interested in Bitcoin to the Western Bitcoin communities, um, opening up possibilities for them. Um, I incentivized basically with Bitcoin for Fairness the first Bitcoin-only meetups in Zimbabwe and in Zambia, uh, which is great. Um, I was in South Africa uh, visiting a uh, Bitcoin circular economy in a township. Um, which is a fascinating way to educate people on the one hand about Bitcoin and also um, bring opportunities for them uh, for the future. And so it, it, it went, actually, it was quite a natural evolution of the work I do in the space uh, to find this nonprofit model where I ask companies for sponsorships or, or also individuals for their donations if they like my work. So um, it's it's a bigger platform um, where we can, like, together with volunteers and also people in Africa, um, build sustainable communities.
2: I think it's such Im- it's such important work. I think you're absolutely right. So much of what Bitcoin can do globally gets ignored. You know, we get people that talk about price action and and crypto sort of tends to be lumped into the same sector when actually Bitcoin as a, a sort of a decentralized monetary system, uh, you know, has the power to solve so many problems.
1: That was the original idea, wasn't it? With the Bitcoin white paper was a was peer-to-peer absolutely. money. And of course, there was the whole contention with you know the the fork in what was it 2017 and Bitcoin Cash being the cash? And you know, we won't go into all of that because I think that whole thing was a bit <laughs> ridiculous. It is. Um, yeah,
0: but it's true. I mean, I, I also think that uh, Bitcoin is money that wants to be spent and used. Um, of course, it's mm. also a speculation tool. and something quite new. We never had that. You have yeah. a, a, an asset that can be like gold, digital gold. But on the other hand, uh, you can use it um, and 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 very efficient and um, yeah, with light, uh, Yeah, there are so many topics we could talk about what, in that regard. But I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, one of the proponents saying that uh, money wants to be spent, and I can only have sustainable adoption in these countries if people really use it because uh, they have the use it. Right. They need to use it. They can't. They don't have the money to save anyhow. So you, yeah.
2: How do you find that people receive that message? Because it's quite a, it's quite a sort of a, the re-education piece is obviously important, but I imagine it's tough. Do you, do you find that people in these developing countries are open to hearing about the, the, the kind of philosophy and the technology or, or is, it, is, it, is it tough?
0: It depends. So the, the first thing is, the first question always is, is Bitcoin not a scam? Um, because right. <laughs> uh, because I think 80-90% of people know someone who has been scammed or have been scammed mm. themselves and even if I explain it like 15 minutes, 30 minutes that it's an open technology, it's a protocol everyone can use it without ID and without a bank account and things like that, they are still skeptical and the next question is uh, and what do you want to sell me now? Right. <laughs> and I say, right. No, I, I don't want to sell anything, I'm just here to to share my knowledge. Um, but then as soon as they understand the basic properties and what it can do for them, like it's not censorable, your government can't take it away from you. They can't steal from you. Um, it's, it, you can send it everywhere. Your, your brother, your family from the UK can send it back home to you in your country. You can then mm. exchange it immediately in person to US dollars or to local currency because most of them need it and um so they are very keen on learning then but um i have to say that in general of course um education i mean it depends if you're in a city if you're in a, in a million people city with high educational standards uh, or if you're more on the countryside so um the educational level is also In general, lower than here, I would say. So I always adapt my content to the people, to the country and to their use cases
1: so i have some questions i have so many questions actually in my head let me let me me pick one i know ben you've probably got loads on the tip of your tongue as well so if you if you speak to um like you mentioned zambia so you go to somewhere in zambia you introduce bitcoin to people how how do they start using it on a practical level and how is it used in their society and how are they also able to transfer that bitcoin into like their local currency if they because i'm guessing not everywhere is going to start accepting it so how do you how do you create that sort of um that circular economy or or that introduction
0: Mm. yeah basically you start with with the properties of bitcoin and what the most important uh security measures are like how to self-custody yeah your coins Mm -hmm. um how to send and receive so um at first i'm always doing a more like an introductionary talk about bitcoin and then um you find people who are really interested, who want to start learning more. Um, and with those, um, I, in general, do a follow-up workshop where we install a Bitcoin and Lightning wallet, where I show them how to send and receive Bitcoin and how to uh, store it safely. In Zambia, for instance, there is not a lot of Bitcoin adoption. So people Mm -hmm. don't know what it is. Um, Even even educated people don't know what it is. And um, there is now one... uh, exchange in Zambia where you can exchange Bitcoin to local currency and vice versa. It's like uh, exchanges that we know. Um, um, But there are also uh, funny things that we don't know because we don't need that or we don't have that. There are WhatsApp groups um, where people are basically human escrow agents. So I I needed to exchange Bitcoin to the local currency And uh, one of my contacts there said, okay, he's going to do that for me. And he vouched for me uh, that I'm going to send the Bitcoin to a Bitcoin address. And the guy, the the other partner, then uh, uh, brought the money to me. So um, there are a lot of groups on the ground. It's real peer to peer adoption. So, um, and I find that fascinating. And I also want to foster that peer to peer adoption because I think it's sustainable and it also, um, doesn't hurt your privacy. And, um, I'm a proponent also. I say keep the unbanked unbanked. Uh, we don't need to, to build a new banking infrastructure on top of Bitcoin because the idea mm-hmm. of Bitcoin is to be money for the people, uh, and you can freely exchange it. And so, um, yeah, that, that's basically the way. And then um, I, I try to um, incentivize or give them the idea to, to uh, found a WhatsApp group that's Bitcoin only to keep the scammers out. So the people who meet on my talk, at my talk, I say to them, hey, write down a list of numbers. If you want to go into this group, you know those people, you can trust them now because trust I think is the most important thing uh, um, n- next to education. Trust mm. the technology um, and trust the people you you deal with. We always say Bitcoin is trustless. Yes, on the on the protocol level, but uh, in between people, since there are so many scams, you still need to have some kind of trust. <laughs> yeah. So so that's basically how it goes. And speaking of a circular Bitcoin economy. Um, there it's very, very important to have, uh, people on the ground who live there, who, who start, um, sharing their knowledge with, with the people, with, with others. Uh, and then say, like in Bitcoin Akasi, for instance, uh, there's a guy who lives in, in Mossel Bay. He's called Herman and he got into Bitcoin a few years ago. And he, um, has a surf school and he is, um, um, giving free surf lessons to children from the township. She, he has been doing that for 10 years now. And sometime wow. in between, he heard about Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador. And
1: um, he, course, thought, yeah.
0: Yeah, he thought, uh, why not do the same? And he started educating his, his uh, coaches, his surf coaches about Bitcoin. And mm. uh, now they, they have six um, shops in the township that accept uh, Lightning, Lightning Bitcoin, um, and so the, all the coaches get their money in in Bitcoin in Lightning, and then go up to their township where they live and um, buy stuff for Bitcoin. And amazing, uh, yeah, and that's so. It's a long process, basically. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, but if you get everybody in, and also people need to learn. Yes, yeah, sadly, uh, the market goes down, the price goes down, um, which can be very hard for them, of course. Um, but they have they learn also use Lightning Bitcoin uh, for spending, and if you can save something. Um, they then take the maybe five or 10 or 20 U.S. dollars worth of Bitcoin and uh, move it on chain um, right. onto a hardware wallet. And there they keep it and wait.
1: So do they convert the, the Bitcoin into a, into a U.S. stable coin or something? Is that uh, what they're doing? They, or they, no, they... no,
0: like in South Africa, um, everybody is using RAND. They don't use okay. the U.S. dollar, but in Zimbabwe, for instance, everybody wants U.S. dollars. So the countries are very different in that. Um, but yeah. yes, they, on the one hand, they, um, there is a service called, I think, 9 to 5 or something, where they can send their Bitcoin and exchange it into, into a uh, South African RAND coin, digital RAND. And with that, they can go to shops and buy things. Uh, or they uh, buy vouchers on BitRefill with Bitcoin and they can top up their phone with it um, or buy other things and stuff in, 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 in uh, shops that accept vouchers.
2: Yeah. It's it's amazing to hear about how other countries are adopting Bitcoin and how it's how it's becoming um, how it's becoming important in other places other than the U.S. Because I think globally we think about Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoin is very U.S. centric, isn't it? You know, when we hear about it, we typically hear about the U.S. dollar price. When we hear about regulation, uh, we it's always sort of being led by the states. Um, Anita, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is is regulation because. There's a lot of talk about that at the moment and there's a lot of stuff which is coming through um, with the, I think it's the MECA and the TFR bill in the EU. What's your view on regulation? I mean, do you think this strengthens the case for Bitcoin or do you think the government should just be leaving it alone?
0: I'm, I'm saying it's privacy-invading technology, surveillance technology, and I don't mm. like it at all. Regulation mm. in the way that uh, there is some kind of authority saying, no, this is a scam, um, you get fined for your scam, um, you're warning your, the, the people of your country about these scams, yes, um, I think that would be very important. But this over-regulation, wanting to know uh, where I send my Bitcoin from an exchange to, like I have to leave, like to prove that this is my address. It's not only privacy invasion, um, it's also, yeah, I feel like I'm in China now, you know. So Mm, I I fear that we will have this over-regulation everywhere that we also see with banks, you know. Banks are now policing us. And I don't see why banks should be doing that. It's a huge amount of money that's running into this permanent global surveillance of everyone, instead of mm. just focusing on those people or, or institutions who might launder money. Yeah? Why, is it, why is it always uh, Deutsche Bank or Credit Suisse or other banks that are fighting <sighs> for money laundering? Yeah, It's always the big yeah. ones. And so mm. I think um, KYC is really dangerous. It's a security hole. Um, we know that data is always breached uh, from or stolen from from uh, computer systems. And if I know where the holder of Bitcoin lives because an exchange got hacked and now the address like where people live who bought mm. Bitcoin is on the Internet, then... Yeah, that's not a good situation.
2: Yeah, that's, it's, that's a very, very interesting point, actually. I'd never thought about it like that. Um, because you're right, you know, we, lo- we look at the Web2 space for the last 20 years, and there's been so many high-profile data leaks. You know, even companies like Facebook via Cambridge Analytica, uh, you know, they lost mil- hundreds of millions of, um, of users' data that way. And, and I agree, if, you know, I mean, if people's Bitcoin holdings were ever attached to something like their address, I mean, it's um, that's a, a frightening thing. There have
0: been some cases in the Bitcoin space too. For instance, Ledger. Uh, I think two yeah. years ago there was the Ledger hack. So they had yeah. clients' uh, shipping addresses. I mean, and so the oh. people then 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 they got emails and 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 messages telling them, um, you pay now this and that. Otherwise, we come to you and and, and get you. You know. So um,
1: we always look at things through the eyes of the West because you know we're we're privileged enough to grow up in a country that's safe, secure. The quality of life's good. We've had good opportunities. All things considered, but when I think you look. At this through the eyes of somebody that's maybe living in a totalitarian state or a state where they maybe they're um you know may, maybe part of who they are isn't accepted socially maybe it's their race their religion the sexual orientation and maybe they've supported a group and put some money into a group with their bitcoin and a government finds out they've supported that and they they you know their lives can be at risk and i've heard stories of of that not necessarily with bitcoin but other people supporting organizations that the government don't agree with so where you've made me really think that actually having proper kyc in developing countries is a really really bad idea it's very dangerous for people
0: yeah definitely um it's it's Look, for me, Bitcoin supports freedom of speech because, as you just Mm -hmm. said, if you support a political party or the opposition or a lesbian and gay group or whatever, and in your country uh, you don't have any rights, like um, uh, there are countries in Africa where you still uh, get fined or put in prison um, if you're a gay guy or something like that. Yeah, Um, So they can find out everything about you if they trace back your money or trace your money. And so that's a reason for me. So basically, how you spend your money is speech, because you show your preferences. Um, And um, if the government can trace that back, they can put you in jail for it. So it's really very dangerous. And on the other hand, uh, Bitcoin is a tool for freedom fighters. I've just been at the Oslo Freedom Forum, and there was a special track about Bitcoin education for human rights activists. And there have been... I don't know how many human rights activists who already told us the stories of how Bitcoin has helped them to fight their government. Mm. And um, so for me, it sounds absurd maybe for, for people who are listening to that, but Bitcoin, if you use Bitcoin, if you buy and hold Bitcoin, if you use Bitcoin, you're supporting freedom fighters and human rights activists. Um, and, and that's for me, uh, what makes the most sense for me, um, or the, the, the most important use case for Bitcoin for me.
2: Yeah, I, I suppose the, 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 problem that comes with that is that when you're supporting people in, you know, countries where they're fighting their governments or there are totalitarian regimes, is that unfortunately at the moment with, without mass Bitcoin adoption, you know, people need fiat off ramps. They need to be able to convert that back into um, some kind of local currency. I, I think as adoption spreads and one Bitcoin becomes one Bitcoin and everybody agrees that it's a, a you know, it's a means of value exchange, And until then, I suppose the biggest biggest problem is that they they have to spend it somehow or, or turn it into money.
0: Um, yeah, I mean it is money, but you're right. They need to spend yeah. it in their own country, and as long mm. as there is no adoption in adoption in the way of a circular economy, then they can't spend it. But it's really very easy uh, to to change Bitcoin to US dollars on the ground, peer to peer, and I mean really peer to peer without an exchange uh, in these countries. And I think that's the way to go because then you also don't need KYC for that. You know, um, sure. And there are also uh, new technologies uh, coming in Lightning that will enable stable coins on top of Lightning. So basically you could receive uh, USDT or USDC as a stablecoin, but then you can pay someone else in Bitcoin uh, without mm. even knowing that you did that at the moment. Yes. And uh, yeah. um, I think these are fascinating technologies that will help us in the future uh, getting more people to use Bitcoin. And, and to make it more easy for them uh, to spend it then also locally
2: yeah i'm excited to see how uh, how bitcoin plays a part in in you know uh, global affairs, as it as it sort of spreads. Um, Anita, I could stay on these topics all day, but I'd love to know a little bit more about you because I know you're super busy. Um, we, what what are your plans for for the sort of the rest of twenty twenty two and beyond? Um, is there anything interesting happening with uh, the nonprofit or the podcast?
0: Yeah, so with Bitcoin for Fairness, there's a lot uh, planned. Uh, actually, I've been to say, okay. Zambia, Zimbabwe, and South Africa already this year. And I'm starting to travel again in August, September. Um, then I'm visiting some conferences first in Europe. And then I'm in September, I will go back to Zimbabwe um, to uh, meet with the people. I, I, I'm in contact and that also um, work basically for Bitcoin for Fairness. So um, we pay them in Bitcoin and they contribute to the website and things like that. And um, I'm also looking very much forward to uh, see the first Bitcoin mining site in Zimbabwe, powered by solar. Yes. Um, that's wow. also Yeah. That's also something that was uh, um, starting out from my visit, you know, like I was connecting people to each other. And uh, so now we've got the first Bitcoin miners in Zimbabwe. And wow. um, yeah, I want to visit uh, the the Uh, Place And uh, I'm also working on getting a Blockstream satellite into the country to this uh, mining site. Because as you maybe know, in Zimbabwe, the government really sometimes turns off the Internet. So um, um, uh, you need reliable Internet and reliable uh, sending of Bitcoin blocks to the ground to be able to mine. And so we want to set that up there, too, uh, together with Blockstream. And I'm very, very excited about that. And then after uh, Zimbabwe, I might be going to the US to moderate the panel at the conference. Uh, But if not, if that doesn't happen, I will go to Brazil. Uh, My book um, is being translated to Portuguese at the moment and we will then uh, release it and publish it in Brazil. I also want to meet with uh, Bitcoiners there and we'll see, do another talk or workshop. And from then... From there, I will go to Argentina. There's uh, LaBitConf, which is the first and biggest Bitcoin conference in uh, South America. And then in December, (laughs) (laughs) there is the first Bitcoin-only African uh, conference in Ghana. And uh, from Ghana, I will go to Nigeria um, and do some sort of a campus tour and and try to, to meet with Bitcoiners there. Nigeria is one of the countries with the highest adoption of Bitcoin. So it's very interesting. And wow. last but not least, at the end of the year, I will go back to South Africa and stay there over Christmas and stuff and meet people again um, that I met this year. When
2: will you find time to sleep? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I really hope. I know it's a lot. It sounds uh, huge. I don't know how I will manage. Maybe I will it's, change the plan. You know,
2: it's just. It's, it's incredible. It's
1: incredible. I, I, I mean, it's, it's amazing work.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: So two questions is like, how are you you managing to fund all this? Is this purely through donations? And then my follow-up question to that is like, what really drives you to do all of this? Because you're doing a lot and you're putting a lot of people probably before yourself in some ways. And I know it's fulfilling and it's a passion for you. So they're my two questions, I think.
0: I I changed my my model of income basically from podcast sponsorships uh, because I saw with this human rights aspect, I don't get so many listeners. So I switched. I thought hmm, maybe a donation or community approach would be better to have my own community like on Patreon. And uh, so I started uh, with Bitcoin for Fairness at the end of last year and thought, yeah, I, I'm going into donations. So it's, it's a part in part uh, individual donors who support Bitcoin for Fairness and its companies from the Bitcoin space um, who think that my work, that I'm doing great work and want to support that. So it's donations and sponsors. That's this. Mm-hmm. And what drives me, I I really also don't know. I think uh, with with Bitcoin, I found something that really makes sense to me. And I found something where I really can contribute to the the greater good. Um, Everything I've done up until now was driven by me wanting to be independent, and and being self-employed. I had the interest in in the internet and this free communication and uh, I wanted to be a part of it. But um, I always was looking for the next thing, you know. But now with Bitcoin, I have the feeling that I really can... Help people who are some sort of forgotten or disadvantaged or don't have the mm. same chances or others. Uh, if they get into Bitcoin earlier than others, then they will have uh, more opportunities for that. Yeah, so they 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 will be better off in the end. And like going to these emerging countries for me is a little bit like. Um, supporting them in reversing this colonial um how do you say ex um uh, stealing you know uh, it's a, like yeah. a historic reparation in a way and so and that's the reason why i'm so interested in in sharing my knowledge with individuals in these countries and i think the fairness aspect is really what drives me like this this openness that nobody can change it no country not even the us or russia can Change Bitcoin to to its um, uh, advantage, and and that's also the reason why I think that Bitcoin is actually the only of all the cryptocurrencies that has the uh, possibilities to become the neutral um, a money standard in a way.
2: I have to say Anita, I'm I'm so. Touched by your story, I mean, what you're doing is just phenomenal. Um, you know, I think I speak for for myself and the listeners when I said we're just, you know, so grateful there are people like you doing the work that you're doing because I think mm. it is important work and it gets forgotten um, so often. Just a question on on your sort of fundraising activities. Um, if any of our listeners are interested in just getting involved in that somehow, how can they support you and where can they find you?
0: Yeah, thank you very much for that. So uh, with Classical Fiat money, you can support me on Patreon <laughs> um, under my name, Anita Posh. Then, uh, if you have some Bitcoin or Lightning and you want to share it with our work, then uh, you can go to bffbtc.org. That's Bitcoin for Fairness, BTC, Bitcoin in short. Uh, and there, there is a donation page. We also have a a crowdfunding campaign running on a website called Fund, which is a lightning only crowdfunding site like kickstarter oh
2: cool yeah great that um, sounds good
0: yeah that's a great one too and um, yeah that's basically the two possibilities yes. okay
2: awesome well for, for anyone that's listening now we've we've put the links in the show notes so feel free to go down click um, and um, yeah we would urge you to support Anita in this amazing work Um whew. I, I don't know if you have any more questions, Kevin, do you?
1: I, I have lots, but I think what Same. I'd like to do is maybe you'd like to come back on the show in like like three to six months time. We'd like to just catch up with you. If really you have the time. <laughs> yeah, if you can fit us in your busy <laughs> schedule, because, you know, we want to support what you're doing and it's uh, it's important. And, you know, I, for one, forget about some of this stuff sometimes when we're doing our regular Mm. shows we we do look this through the eyes of 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 the west and through you know and there's nothing wrong with that because we're all contributing to this whole ecosystem but i think we just have to be aware that people are using bitcoin as a lifeline as a tool and that's really really important and we should never lose sight of that so yeah i think that's probably all from from me but maybe yeah maybe you'd like to come back in in three to six months when when you're when you're able to yes, <laughs> and you're I, not traveling.
0: I will make place for that because I really enjoyed this discussion and um, mm. I think yes. uh, you, you you understand the importance of it. And I, I'm happy to be able to share with you my um, experiences um, then <laughs> that I've done, the new, the new countries I visited and the new people I met and all these kinds of things. And thank you very much for that.
2: Yeah, well, we look forward to hearing some of your adventures uh in in a few months time um yeah anita thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure uh having a conversation with you today and um yeah we look forward to speaking with you again soon
0: thank you very much ben and kevin and thanks have a good day That's it. Thanks for joining. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe to my show at anita.link slash subscribe and recommend it to your friends. If you want to do a little bit more, you can donate at anita.link slash donate. Special thanks for supporting Bitcoin for Fairness. Go out to the Human Rights Foundation, Paxful, Leden and OKCoin. Music Late Truth by AudioHertz. See you soon at the Anita Post Show.